up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And hey, you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chickens. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold on, bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. Just like they said in the intro, this is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longville. I will be the host of your show today. Joining me are my analysts first, Patrick Weber. Good morning, everyone. And Jake Murren. Good morning. Not used to being on this side of the mic, <laughs> but I am very excited to be here. I was going to ask you about that. You know, how does it feel that I'm over here and you're over there today? It's a change of pace. I haven't been a guest <laughs> on the show for a couple of months, and, you know, it's it's nice being back here, actually. Right, right, yeah. Um, so we got a great show prepared for you guys today. Eventually, we're going to touch on the NFL free agency, and we all made some mock drafts to share with you guys. We're going to touch on the MLB and some spring training, touch on the NBA as the playoffs are about to get underway very shortly. But first, we got to talk about the Final Four that took place last night. And of course, the big news coming out of that, the UNC Tar Heels did defeat the Duke Blue Devils in what was probably the most highly anticipated Final Four matchup of all time. Anytime Duke and North Carolina get together, it's big. And to get together in a playoff setting just made it even bigger. UNC won 81-77, to and Coach K's historic career in college basketball is over. What did you guys think about that last night? I mean, this game definitely lived up to the hype. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know there's a lot of Duke haters out there, but you have to respect Coach K and his legacy and career in the sport. In 41 seasons at Duke, his record is 1,097 wins Mm -hmm. to 302 losses. Just an insane record, and he's often imitated but never duplicated. Coach K, what a send-off. Unfortunately, lost to the rival UNC in the Final Four, but uh, nothing to knock your head off. And, you know, UNC, what a run. As a number eight seed, they might be the might be the most underrated eight seed in NCAA tournament history. I know you're more well-versed in it than I am, Jeff. Mm-hmm. But as a number eight seed, making it to the championship game, UNC, all the props to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to agree that game last night was phenomenal. Unfortunately for Duke, they lost. I'm not saying I'm mad about that because I'm not the biggest Duke fan. But uh, what a career for Coach K. I mean, he's arguably the greatest college coach of all time. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal record. Won gold medals. Congrats, Coach. Mm-hmm. 
Five national championships with the Duke Blue Devils, 13 Final Fours, and three gold medals for Coach K. After the game, in the uh, post-game press conference, obviously it was emotional, but Coach K wanted it to be known that it wasn't about him. It was about the Duke players themselves. So we have some quotes from him, uh, starting with, It's not about me. I'm just concerned about these guys. They're already crying on the court. I wanted my seasons to end when my team was crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow. Then you know they gave everything. We win together. We lose together. And then a quote from Paolo Bancaro that says, He was so committed to us all year. He never made it about him. This goes to show you how Coach K was handling his final season. He wasn't trying to make it about him. He was trying to make it about the team. And unfortunately for them, they came they came up just a little bit short in the Final Four. Moving on to um, actual stats of the game. Actually, really quickly, I just wanted to point this out. UNC, UNC did give Coach K his first ever loss as Duke's head coach in 1980. And last night gave him his very last loss. Whew. How poetic is that? And his last loss at home. That's, tr- that's true. Too. That's true. Now let's get into the actual stats of the game. Both of Duke's bigs got in foul trouble early on. Mark Williams picked up two in the first five minutes, and then Theo John came in off the bench and got four in the first half. And then Williams eventually ended up with four in the second half. So the bigs couldn't be aggressive down the stretch on defense, and Caleb Love especially took advantage of that with the number of layups that he made on the Duke's bigs late in the game. Uh, Caleb Love went for 28 points. RJ Davis, 18.7 rebounds. Brady Manick, who's my favorite player on the Tar Heels, by the way, 14 points. Then Armando Baycott, 11 points and 21 rebounds in the game. Um, UNC hit twice as many threes as Duke, uh, 10 to 5. They're a plus 10 in rebounding. And a lot of the other stats actually went Duke's way, but UNC, they just wanted it more. Their starting, pl- their starting five played almost the entire game. You had Baycott coming back after hurting his ankle late in the game. And then the plays that R.J. Davis and Caleb Love made, including that clutch three by Caleb Love down the stretch, you could just tell they wanted it more. What did you guys see from this game? Yeah, so as you said, Duke really outperformed UNC in a lot of the categories. Um, even Duke outscored North Carolina 48-26 to in the paint and 25-2 to in bench points. Like you said, UNC's uh, starting lineup playing most of the minutes out there. And I really boil it down to two things for Duke. One, their three-point percentage. You kind of touched on it a little bit. But they shot 22.7% from beyond the arc. And that's a 5-for-22 rate. You may make a couple more of those. And we could be talking about a whole other story today. And then they also missed eight free throws, including two clutch ones down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, lose by four, you miss eight free throws. You know, if you do the math, Duke could have easily won that game. Um, unfortunately for Coach K and the Blue Devils, though, it will be Tar Heels going on into the championship. Yeah, I agree. It was a pretty good game last night, but um, like you touched on, the three-point percentage was a lot. It's like a big difference because UNC shot 38.5%. Mm-hmm. They went 10 for 26. Other than that, I mean, as far as it goes from like field goals, it was pretty even across the board. Uh, UNC shot 42.2% and Duke shot 41.7. But yeah, going down the stretch, like it was mentioned, um, UNC kind of wanted it more. Mm-hmm. than Duke did, ultimately. Mm-hmm. UNC's magical Cinderella run, if you even want to call it that because it's North Carolina, but they were still an eight seed. Their run is continuing as they will play in the championship game on Monday night against the winner of the other game in the Final Four last night, 
the Kansas Jayhawks, who defeated the Villanova Wildcats 81-65. to David McCormick had 25 points and 9 rebounds, and Ochai Abaji had 21 points and shot 6 of 7 from 3. Uh, Kansas defense early on was insane. They got out to a 10-0 lead and created a deficit that Nova almost got out of, but they just couldn't quite overcome it. Kansas shot 54% to Nova's 39, and Kansas had 4 blocks to Nova's 0, and they doubled Nova up in the paint 32-16. What stood out to you guys about the Kansas-Nova game? Kansas's shooting. Oh, my goodness. They shot 53.7% from the field and 54.2% from three. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Their offense definitely stepped up. And I thought when the light was finally um, shining on Kansas, they'd crumble. Mm-hmm. And I had Villanova at least giving them a run for their money. But like you said, their defense killed Villanova. And, I mean, they're shooting. Like I said, they shot over 50% on threes and field goal percentage in general. Mm-hmm. And that's something, especially if you're – Villanova, I mean, you only shot 38.6, which is still pretty good, mm-hmm. especially shooting 41.9% from three, but, like, 54.2% from three, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see Villanova, you know, you're shooting 39% from the floor, and then you look at Kansas shooting 54% from the floor. You're, as If you're Villanova, you're just not going to win that game. I think Kansas was also more aggressive. Uh, they had six more rebounds, like you said, the four blocks to Villanova zero. And like Pat just said, Kansas's shot-making ability is unmatched right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quickly, want to give a shout-out to Colin Gillespie, who had played five years at Villanova, stayed an extra year after he graduated, played all but one minute last night, um, which is when the subs came out because the deficit was too big for Nova to overcome. He was just crying. He was so, you know, heartbroken that his college career is finally over. Shout-out to Colin Gillespie, great player, great role model for the Villanova program. And now... Let's preview the title game that we now know the participants to. Kansas versus UNC. The Jayhawks are currently favored by four. Who do you guys have and why tomorrow night? I got to take Kansas. I mean, they caught <clears throat> they caught fire at the right moment, honestly. And I, as much as I love North Carolina, I don't think their defense can step up and stop that offense at all. So before I give my pick... I want to go through the path of each team okay. that they took in the in the tournament. So Kansas, as a number one seed, they beat 16-seed Texas Southern, 9-seed Creighton, 4-seed Providence, 10-seed Miami, and 2-seed Villanova. Um, not a terrible strength of schedule. They did play Villanova and Providence, a 2-4 and four seed, so good for them on that. But they did beat these teams by an average of 16.2 points a game. So definitely laying it on some of these teams. For UNC, though, as an eight seed, they did go through some tougher teams, in my opinion. They played number nine seed Marquette in the first round. I actually had UNC <laughs> losing to Marquette in the first round. I was, I was just about to foolish. mention that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, they beat number one seed Baylor, four seed UCLA. Um, unfortunately, the real Cinderella story in St. Peter's. And then last night, the number two seed Duke. Uh, and UNC has also been out beating these teams by 14 points a game. I do like UNC to pull off yet another upset, though, tomorrow night for the championship. I just think they are on such a roll, and after beating Duke, that's really the momentum that they need. I thought Duke was going to get past UNC, and I thought Duke was going to win it all. And now that UNC beat Duke, I just got to ride with the Tar Heels on this one. Out of curiosity, how far did you guys have UNC going? You said you didn't have them winning a game. Yep. I had them out after that Marquette win. Pat, where did you have them? I had so <clears throat> Bad as it sounds, I had them losing to us, <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, yeah, UCLA kind of 
kind of broke that. Mm. But I didn't think they would make it to the finals, let alone the final four. Right. So good for them. Yeah. Um, so for me, I've been thinking about this, like I mentioned with Sava earlier, um, ever since it happened, ever since we knew it was going to be Kansas, UNC. I've. I, it's really difficult for me to say who's going to win. I think I'm going to lean with Kansas, though, because... UNC is now coming off of an emotional victory. Every time you play your biggest rival afterwards, it's emotional. And I think that emotion is going to be magnified by the fact that it was in the Final Four. So I think that sometimes after you come off an emotional victory, it can be harder to focus on what comes next. So I think there's going to be some emotion in play. And I also think that since UNC upset Duke, who had the most pressure of any team in this tournament, I think that now they might have... They might have inherited that pressure from Duke because now they beat Duke. They ended Coach K's career. Okay, but now can you take that and win a national championship with it? So I think Carolina has more pressure than Kansas coming into this game. And Kansas is the better team on paper. But, Jake, like you mentioned earlier, I think UNC's path uh, to get here has been um, more difficult than Kansas. And I think they've beaten better teams. So I think that they're going to be prepared for Kansas. Um, I think that if UNC can get to the line and win on the glass and handle Kansas's defense, they can win. But I'm still going to pick Kansas. I think that Kansas is going to be the slight favorite here. So we got two Kansas Jayhawks, one UNC Tar Heel. Yes, sir. We'll see how it plays out. Moving on to some other college basketball news that does not concern the Final Four or the championship game. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the University of Akron, Pat. You, know, you don't look very happy Ugh. over there. I'm so sad. And I can't honestly blame you. I'm so sad. Uh, Ali Ali has entered the transfer portal. So what exactly does this mean for the Zips next year? <clears throat> uh, first off, thank you, Ali, for everything that you've done for us in this program. Um, it's been a fun uh, couple years having you here. Um, what this means for us is like, okay, we're losing our number one score mm-hmm. in the transfer portal. That was probably bound to happen with us just appearing in March Madness, with us coming out of nowhere in the MAC tournament when everyone had us losing. Um, I don't see this as a huge issue because we do have a pretty good basketball program. It's one of the things we're known for. We can always, I don't say like go out, recruit, replace, but we're, we can always do that, get transfers. But losing Ali, losing one of the key pieces to a very young team that had never been in that situation before might hurt us a little bit. I don't know how much yet, but I'm thinking as long as we keep a majority of the team, just losing Ali, it hurts, but not as much as I think everyone's thinking it will. Yeah, I do agree. He led the team in points per game, assists, three-point shooting percentage, and minutes in 2022. So it's going to be a hit for the Zips, but um, I think the Zips, the Zips team can get past it with John Gross and with Enrique Freeman. I trust that this team is still the best in the entire Mid-American Conference. And, you know, Akron was able to rebound after losing Lauren Christian Jackson. And while Ali Ali was our best offensive player, he was inconsistent at times, only scored five points in 36 minutes in that UCLA game. And, you know, our team relies on defense more than anything. We're a defensive-minded team. And with Enrique Freeman still on the team, and like you said, Pat, if we do replace Ali Ali and get some other guys in there, I think that our defensive presence will still be there. And, you know, like I said, it'll be a hit, but I think we're still going to be competitive in the back. Mm-hmm. So the important question I have to ask now is, 
does Ali transferring, does that stall any potential momentum that was created from making March Madness this past year? I don't think so because, again, we still have a majority of the team here. They want to go back. They know what they have to do to get back. And I think that losing what everyone considers to be our star player, um, I think for them it's going to like make that momentum greater because it's going to be like, okay, everyone's going to doubt us now. We're going to prove everyone wrong, and we're going to go right back. Yes, we lost our number one score, but we're going right back. So I think it's going to increase the momentum, and I think we're going to have a better season because we're going to have that fire, we're going to have that drive to prove everyone wrong, and we're going right back to where we were. That would be a nice mindset to have. I do think it slightly stalls the momentum just because he was such an offensive presence on the team. But like I said, we're a defensive-minded team. I think we'll bounce back. It might take a couple games um, at the start of next season, like it did this season after losing LCJ. Um, but at this season, the one coming up, might lo- might lose some, might go through some struggles on the offensive side of the ball. But I think we'll we'll get it under under the umbrella and keep on winning games. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, we'll see what happens with Ali Ali and where he goes and what happens with the Akron basketball program as a whole. Moving on to some more college basketball news. Shaheen Holloway, who was the head coach of who was at first the tournament's Cinderella story, the St. Peter's Peacocks, has taken a job with the Seton Hall Pirates, who he played for from 1996 to 2000 and helped get them to a Sweet 16 in 2000. Uh, Like I said, led St. Peter's to the Elite Eight by beating Kentucky. Thank you for that. That That really did me a lot of favors. Uh, Murray State and Purdue. He will replace Kevin Willard, who had been there since 2010. Um, Holloway coached St. Peter's for four years and had winning seasons in three out of those four years. What does this mean for Seton Hall? What kind of guy is Seton Hall getting in Shaheen Holloway? You know, it's kind of bittersweet seeing the guy that just led this Cinderella run in the March Madness tournament now leave the team just a couple days after making the run. I understand why, because he had played for the Pirates mm-hmm. at Seton Hall. He's even the assist leader there, I believe. So it makes sense for him, and I know all the players were on board for Holloway taking this position because they knew how much it meant to him. Mm-hmm. But it really, it's like a gut punch for the Peacocks because if he stays, you know, the Peacocks might be able to build some kind of reputation in college basketball other than this just one Cinderella run. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunate for the Peacocks, but for Seton Hall, they're definitely getting a great guy, a great leader at head coach. And, you know, Seton Hall, they've been a team to watch out for in some March Madness tournaments. So just keep on doing what they're doing. And with a new guy at the helm, I see much of the same for the Pirates moving forward. I completely agree. I think it's a great hire. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's a great hire for Seton Hall. Um, they definitely got a very passionate coach, a very driven coach, and you know he probably led. I think would I think we could agree probably one of the greatest Cinderella stories of all yeah. time, mm-hmm. if not the greatest. Yeah. yeah, nah, bro, don't sleep on Loyola Chicago from a couple years. That ago. That is true. That I, is, I, I will. The greatest. I will go with have that. Seen pictures of the Peacocks gym? I have not. No. Okay, I then, have. Then and, you don't know. Okay, I I have, and <laughs> my high school. I, so I graduated from a very small high school. My gym looks better than that. Oh, okay. My, my, high school had two, like, my high school had two gyms that were better than theirs. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they don't exactly have the greatest equipment. But <laughs> that being said, still, I mean, Seton Hall got a phenomenal coach. Mm-hmm. They got a, I mean, it, it, you get, like you said, it sucks seeing him leave. Right. Because the Peacocks could have become like that loyal Chicago now where it's like, okay, they're there. They're always someone to watch out for. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're like an America's type team. Right. But he's leaving. 
good for him. Seton Hall is going to be. I think they're going to be deadly now because now that they have a reputation with that with the coach now, that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, but yeah, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, um, they're getting a guy who uh, is familiar with the program, obviously, as he played there for four years, um, and a guy that is just really unselfish. In his um, introductory press conference, he thanked everybody. He thanked uh, the roster at St. Peter's for all they did this year. He thanked Kevin Willard for all he did at Seton Hall. Uh, Just a guy who's familiar and a guy that's really unselfish and is just going to give everybody credit. I can't wait to see what Shaheen Holloway does for the Pirates. Um, before we go to break, let's really quickly, even though I really don't want to, let's recap our brackets now that we're in the stretch of March Madness. So we had a bracket of only five of us, me, Jake, Dan Groen, Logan Congrove, and former member up here, Kyle Molinelli. I finished in fourth place out of five. I think I only beat you, Jake. Is, is that right? Yeah, I think I finished last. <laughs> um yeah. Uh, it happens, right? Right, yeah, you know. Yeah. I blame you, Jeff. Oh, okay. <laughs> I blame myself, too. All right. Um, Pat, out of curiosity, you did make a bracket, right? Uh, I made quite a few brackets. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how any of them turned out because, you know, when you have Akron going to the finals and every single one of them, it's just a different team they're playing against. <laughs> it kind of hurts. Right. Um, especially when every team I picked us to play lost before they oh, got to. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been rough. Yeah. I mean, I had, like... Kind of like a fun bracket, I guess, and I had St. Peter's and us in the final <laughs> four, like in the final. So, yeah, why not? But did you guys ever do like a redemption bracket? I didn't do it this year. Okay, I yeah. usually do, um, but my final four this year was Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, and Iowa. So really rough final four there. I did much yeah. better in my women's bracket though. I'm actually excited for that game tonight. Yeah, uh, Gamecocks versus Huskies. Yes, I do. You guys have... both got the the Gamecocks. Yep, I have the Gamecocks. I got the Huskies undefeated in championship games. Let's go Huskies. We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, uh, my Final Four was out before the end of the Sweet 16. <laughs> yeah. I had um, Gonzaga, Wisconsin, Kentucky, who I touched on, lost to St. Peter's, and then Arizona winning it all, and they lost to Houston in the Sweet yeah. 16. So. I trusted you, Jeff. Yeah. I think yeah. in my bracket, my Final Four was Akron, because <laughs> I had faith that we could beat UCLA, but, you know, oh well. I had um, us, Duke... Arizona, and then I forget who else I had. There was someone else in there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because right, everyone lost. Right. Also, don't put Gonzaga on there. They choke. Yeah, they, I never I never <laughs> want to hear anybody say Gonzaga can win it all ever again. Dude, I, I, I don't want to I put up it. an argument for a while. The only reason Gonzaga looks good is they play in a conference that mm-hmm. nobody knows right. about. Like, if you put us in that conference, we'd, we'd give them a run for their money. Mm-hmm. So they always get a high seed. They play the bad teams in the tournament. It makes them look good, but then when they have to play actual competition, they lose right? because they're not good. Right. Never, ever pick Gonzaga, ever. Um, so unfortunately, what that means for our bracket group is that Kyle is going to win <laughs> as the only one who even got a team. Well, his champion actually survived longer than ours. He picked Duke. So none of our champions are right. Well, all of our other champions were Arizona. We're Arizona, we right, yeah. You, yeah. So, uh, yes. uh, congratulations, Kyle, even though you're a casual. You got lucky. <laughs> it is what it is, though. Uh, we're going to head into our first break. When we come back, we're going to touch on the NBA and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk live on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longville. Joining me is Patrick Weber. Good morning. And Jake Murren. What's going on? 
So we just touched on March Madness. Let's continue our basketball talk, but this time in the NBA. Uh, really quickly, the 2002 or 2022 Hall of Fame class for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame was announced recently. The inductees include Swin Cash, Larry Costello, Hugh Evans, Manu Ginobili, Tim Hardaway, Dell Harris, Lou Hudson, Bob Huggins, George Carl, Radovich Korak, Teresa Shank Grins, Marianne Stanley, and Lindsey Whalen. Who are you guys most happy for that made it into the Hall of Fame? Manu Ginobili, 100%. I loved Manu Ginobili. I loved watching him play. I'm, I'm glad he's getting the recognition that he deserves. I mean, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a while ago, mm-hmm. and I'm happy. Happy to see him in there. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, one of the few players off that list I actually recognize. <laughs> so um, good for him getting that recognition from the Spurs team. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say Manu as well. Uh, I was kind of worried if he'd even make it since he played most of his career on the bench, um, but was definitely one of the more valuable contributors to the, all those Spurs teams. Uh, two-time All-Star, four-time NBA champion, more than more than deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Moving on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, a couple games ago, Evan Mobley did suffer an ankle injury against the Magic, and he did miss the rest of the games that week. But he will return tonight against the 76ers. Um, and it's been a bit of a struggle without Evan Mobley. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts on the Mobley injury? Yeah, him going down, it, it hurt a lot. I mean, because we're, we're already struggling with injuries like enough as it is with Jared Allen going down. Um, still don't have Colin Sexton. And then when he went down, it was just like, it feels like somebody doesn't want us to win <laughs> somewhere. It's like the Cavs are finally back and then. No. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm glad he's coming back for the 76ers game because we are going to need him big time when it comes to trying to stop Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thankfully he is coming back. You know, we're already injured enough, especially with our bigs. And when you lose the rookie of the year, nothing good is going to happen out of that. So he did miss the last three games with an ankle injury. But thankfully the Cavs were able to go 2-2 two and two this week. And last week they went 0-3, oh so at least they went 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and recap the game against the Mavericks. That was on Wednesday night. It was a loss, 120-112. to 112. Couldn't contain Luka and his greatness because if, if you guys are unaware, I love Luka Doncic, like, a lot. I don't blame so you. So I wasn't, like, I wasn't extremely upset. I mean, obviously I wanted us to win, but it's Luka. So I was I was okay with it. Uh, 35 points, 13 assists, and 9 rebounds for Luka. And they couldn't defend um, the way the Mavericks play 5 out. Luka is really good at finding and creating for shooters. And this Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, those acquisitions have been terrific for them. Um, Dinwiddie's been able to help Luka relieve some of that um, some of that responsibility of playing on the ball. And Bertans just gives the Mavericks another shooter. Uh, but the Mavs were on the second half of a back-to-back and still came out on top. Uh, thoughts from the Mavericks game? It was a tough loss. I mean, because the Mavericks are one of the teams I think they could actually make a run for the championship with how well they're playing um, as of late. It doesn't help when Isaac Okoro does nothing and he started. Mm-hmm. Not happy about that at all. Oh, and by the way, shout out to Karis LeVert that game because mm-hmm. everyone was talking down on him a little bit. And uh, I love Karis LeVert mm-hmm. so much. How's do I? How's do I? I'm, I'm hoping we keep him because I think he could fit in well somewhere in the system. Mm-hmm. I think we could honestly slide him in at a small forward once Colin Sexton comes back. 
Right. I think that'd be a pretty good starting five. I mean, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Karis Levert, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. That's what I would like to see. That's just it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. It just sounds so right. Right. But I mean, we shot better from three. Uh, the Mavericks only shot 38.1%. We shot 44% on the dot. But it kind of sucks when nobody can guard Luka. Right. And Luka. Luka! Oh. Is, that, is that a good <laughs> Mavericks announcer impression? I feel like it wasn't, but I just, I love that sound. Dude, I, I know. It's just like, oh, he's so good. And it makes me angry because I'm like, how <laughs> are you He's our age, good? guys. He's our age. I know. Like, that could have been any one of us, but mm-hmm. it's not. But it's not. <laughs> nope. So you mentioned the back-to-back games for the Mavs, and in the game prior, Luca did the same thing to your Lakers. No, no, not my points. Lakers, just the Lakers. Oh, he scored thirty-four points, twelve rebounds, twelve assists. Did you like it when you did that? Um, he did it against LeBron. Well, LeBron wasn't playing, so oh, I actually watched the game wearing my Luca jersey. But so, I mean, I get it, but now the Lakers might not get into the playoffs. So yeah, they're out of the plan right now. Yeah, that's okay. And, and hey, I'm going to say it. You know who's to blame? No. Russell Westbrook. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> See, I'm we'll just get, saying. We'll get into it. Yeah, yeah we'll, 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 we'll touch on that in but a second. For the Mavericks' loss, you know, just looking at the stats, it's kind of hard to see exactly why we fell short. Obviously, Luka Doncic went off, but so did Karis LeVert. Uh, Darius Garland also contributed with a double-double. And honestly, I just boil it down to the Cavs were hurt. They were without Evan Mobley. And the Mavericks had five more shot attempts on the night than the Cavs. So... That could have been the difference. Only an eight-point loss. Um, five more shot attempts could be the dif- could be the difference. But I just think we were too hurt, and with Luca, I mean, just unguardable at this point. Mm-hmm. Losing to the Mavs, not really a big deal. The next game, though, against the Hawks, mm. one thirty-one to one hundred seven. I- now you could say we were on the second half of a back-to-back, but so were the Hawks. But we they didn't, they didn't look tired at all. We simply got outplayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks, though, because Karis LeVert kind of went back to what he's been doing. Right, yeah. He only had nine points. And our shooting was yeah. terrible, Awful. especially from three. Horrendous. We shot, shot 23.3%. We went seven for 30. Yeah. That's um, embarrassing. The Hawks, meanwhile, were plus 30 from three. They were plus eight in assists, plus 11 in fast break points, plus 14 in points off of turnovers. And... At one point, had a lead of 33. Not exactly what you want to see out of the Cavs against a team that they're above in the standings. Uh, anything else stand out to you guys about the Hawks game? Yeah, like you said, the Cavs turned the ball over six more times than the Hawks, and then all the shooting percentages that you guys run off too. And, you know, if you see the Hawks scoring 131 points on a given night, you can kind of expect the other team to lose that. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that team was the Cavs. Yep. Uh I, I kind of feel like a Knicks fan. I don't like Trey Young anymore. <laughs> it hurt. You don't he got, like Ice Trey? He got hurt. And they, they still, did. Yeah, and he still had 30 points mm-hmm. by the time he got hurt. That's insane. Yeah. Ugh. I I was upset. I don't I don't hate Ice Trey, though. I like Ice Trey. I mean, he just did that to us, though. That's why I'm like, yeah, on the end. Yeah, I was, wasn't a fan of that, but. Yeah. Don't do that again. Trey Young Cavs is becoming be right. a villain in the NBA, guys. He Let's is. Face it. Oh, he, he is. is. Everything boils down to wrestling. <laughs> he is the classic heel of the NBA. Everything so well. Everything boils down to wrestling. Most, yes. Going to disagree with that, but well, there's not. a good guy and a bad guy in every situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's more than just wrestling. I feel like that scenario developed before wrestling became a thing. 
Yeah, but it got popularized by wrestling, where people are literally acting to be a good or bad person. I yeah, think, it, I think it kind of goes with. I, I, think I agree. You're a bit full of yourself there, but well, hey, I mean, I got a guy to my left saying he agrees I, with I, me. I, I do kind of agree. I mean, come on. Okay, I see how it is. I see I'm, how it is. Come like on. KD, KD has become a babyface and heel over and over again in his career. I think he's only switched once. That's mm. my opinion. I might be a little bit biased. He was kind of a babyface and. OKC, then went yeah. full heel yeah. in Golden State. And oh, now yeah. I think he's back to being more so a babyface. I know. No. No. When he left for Golden State, I think that's something that can never be fully forgiven. But not everybody dislikes him now. Because like when he went to Golden State, nobody liked Kevin Durant except mm-hmm. Golden State Warriors fans. I still don't like him. So, like I said, maybe they got a little bit of bias. Hey, the best player on the team was JaVel McGee. Never that's forget. Right. That's right. Love Jerry Tragic G. Bronson. Love that guy. <laughs> uh, let's get into a little bit of some happier news now. Last night, or sorry, last afternoon, 1 o'clock games, they threw everybody off. Me, uh, Austin Carr, John Michael, everybody. We did beat the Knicks 119-101. to 101. Um, Seven Cavs were in double figures. Darius Garland with 24. Karis LeVert with 19. Moses Brown and Isaac Okora both had 16. Kevin Love had 15. And Jetty Osmond had 10. The Cavs shot 54% to the Knicks 40. We were plus 7 in assists, plus 8 in points in the paint, and plus 6 in second chance points, despite the fact we only had one more offensive rebound. What stood out to you guys against the Knicks? Sorry, Obi, we ruined your big career scoring <laughs> night. Sorry, but not sorry. Uh, Darius Garland, I love you. Darius Goatland. Darius That's all Goatland. I have to say. That he's Yes, that's all I have to say. Just He's so good. I'm so glad that he's becoming an all-star mm-hmm. makes me happy yet another double double for all-star Darius Garland of course um, and like you said just contributions all over the floor for the Cavs six players in double digits the Cavs field goal percentage like you said was 54.3 percent and they out rebounded and had more assists than the Knicks and it just seemed like we were in control of the game the whole way through especially in the second half you know the Knicks would go on a run here and there but it always fell pretty short and the Cavs were able to keep that uh, big lead over the Knicks throughout the second half. Mm-hmm. So Moses Brown has played very well, like better than I expected him to play when we acquired him, filling in for Jared Allen. Uh, he plays with a lot of activity and effort, and he sticks to his role. He doesn't try to do anything that he can't do, and he's played he's played well as of late. And then um, for Karis LeVert, he's, I think he's finally coming into his own. It took him a while to get comfortable but since he's been switched to a starter, he's played much better. Uh, stats as a starter are 17 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, and 4 assists. And he's finally becoming more of what I thought he would eventually become when we acquired him. And like you said, Pat, I would like to see him take on a starting role uh, next year. He deserves one. He plays better as a starter. I mean, it's just a fact. Right. You yeah. can't take a guy that's been a starter for most of his career mm-hmm. and just throw him on the bench like that. I mean, he's still semi-young, he's probably coming up on his prime. It's like, you can't just do that. I mean, like, I understand when you first get him, yeah, put him on the bench, wait till things work out, but, you know, like him, you can't just keep putting him on the bench and expecting him to come out and play with those results. Like, he has to be starting. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we see that from Karis LeVert moving forward. Let's go ahead and take a look at the standings real quick. Uh, in the East, the Heat are the one seed, the Bucks are the two seed, three, the Boston Celtics, four, the Sixers, Five, the Raptors. The Bulls have fallen to sixth. And then rounding out the play-in, the Cavs at seven, the Hawks at eight, the Hornets at nine, and the Brooklyn Nets at ten. 
With our remaining schedule, we do play the Sixers tonight, then we're at the Magic, at the Nets, and then our last game is versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Honestly, I'm only confident we can beat one of those teams, and that's the Magic. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I, uh, ooh, that's not a good sketch. That's not a no, good way to finish out the season. It's, it's really not. Especially with the Bucks. That's that's not good. Nope. That's not good at all. Yeah, especially with the injuries that we have, and we're fighting for a play-in spot, at least a high play-in spot. So not what you want to see in the Eastern Conference or the Cavs right now, but you know it's up. It's in their fate. You know they have these five games and uh, or four games, four games. Go out there, do what you can, and try and get that spot. Right. Um, so if my prediction is correct, and we only we only win one of our final four games, at worst we would end up as the 10 seed, assuming that everybody else, everybody around us in the play-in wins their remaining games. The Hawks would then have a better record. The Hornets would have the same record as us. And since we split the season series, they would have a better conference record than us, though, which is like the deepest tiebreaker that exists for teams that have the same record. Um, So that would come into play. They would get ahead of us there. And then the Nets would have the same record as, as us. But because we play them coming up on April 8th, assuming they win, they would have the season series edge over us. So all of those teams would be above us, and at worst, we would finish as the 10 seed. Um, thoughts on where you guys think we might end up here in the plan? I think we'll hover around 7 or 8. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think we'll drop as far as 10. At least I hope not. Um, and I really hope we don't have to play the Brooklyn Nets in the plan because... That's not going to go over very well. Right, yeah, no. So, I mean, the Nets have struggled, though. I don't understand. Like, last night, I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant had 55 points, and they still lost to the Hawks. Yeah. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most important thing for the Cavs is to get into the either 7th or 8th seed, because then you need to win one of two games for the play-in. If they're in the 9 or 10 seed, it's obviously they have to win two games just to get into the playoffs. So for the Cavs, I do have them finishing in the East at number 8 right now, just behind the Hawks. I think the Hawks are on a run right now. We saw what the Hawks did to the Cavs this week. So I expect Atlanta and Trey Young to surpass the Cavs, but the Cavs not to fall too much and to sit at number 8. I do have the Eastern Conference looking very different than what it looks like right now come the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, we will be at home against the Sixers tonight. Both teams will be on the second half of a back-to-back. We played the Knicks yesterday, and the Sixers played the Hornets yesterday and beat them. Evan Mobley will be back. We have to make sure we get him into a rhythm early. We have to do our best to defend against Embiid without Jared Allen, and we can't settle for threes and let our offense go stagnant. We have to find ways to get shots up. What are you guys expecting to see out of us against the Sixers tonight? Um, as bad as it sounds, obviously expecting a loss, but I'm expecting us to put up a fight, at least now that Evan Mobley will be back. Like you said, our number one thing should be, our number one priority should be stopping Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. If we can't do that, well, I think Joel Embiid is just going to run over us if we can't manage to stop him. I'm not too worried about James Harden anymore because I haven't really heard his name since he's been I see, over don't, there. Don't say that because then he'll go off for like 50 and triple-double against us. If that happens... I'll, I'll stop watching the NBA. <laughs> I'll just stop watching the NBA. Simple as that. Only way to fix it. That is. But um, I think we're going to put up a good fight tonight, give them a run for their money, show everybody that while, yes, 
we've been inconsistent this year. We're still a playoff caliber team. We're still a very young team, and we're going to be back here for years to come. Mm-hmm. I think that's the impression that we need to leave on the league and the Sixers, too, because we're going to see them a lot. Yeah. we got to let them know that, hey, you might have Joel Embiid, but we can still put up a fight without our starting center with all these injuries that we have. Right. Yeah, I do completely agree with Pat there. Um, it's going to be nice to see Evan Mobley back on the floor, but I don't know how much we're going to see out of him. Still rehabbing that ankle injury, of course. And honestly, I hate to boil it down like this, but we kind of just have to hope that James Harden has an off night. If he has an off night, then I think the Cavs can compete. But if that Harden and Joel Embiid duo is working as it is supposed to, then it's going to be a rough night for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get a Cavs dubbed night. Uh, we've lost to the Sixers three times, so let's not make it four, please. Let's not please. get swept on the right. on the series, please. Right. We're going to switch to a different NBA team now. A team that I am a... I'm trying to be a supporter of. I can't... Well, I can't really do it anymore. I only support one player. The Los Angeles Lakers, who fell way, <laughs> way too short of everybody's expectations, including mine. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. I actually, I actually had the Lakers winning a championship this year. Uh, I, I figured, I figured, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I figured they got LeBron, okay? They brought in a bunch of guys who had a lot of experience, and that would help them in the playoffs. But you see, right... <laughs> You have to actually make the playoffs first. <laughs> and I don't think that's going to happen. Your basketball takes, man. Arizona, now the LA. I've lost my touch, oh. guys. I don't know what to do. I've lost my Listen, touch. Listen, I've, I've said it for a while. There's only one good basketball team in L.A. No. I'm just saying. I'm just how saying. Many, how many titles the Clippers got? I, listen, I'm in the same boat as you. I only like them because of Kawhi Leonard. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, still. Well, you know what? At least they're a better team. Yeah. Like, without Kawhi, you know? Yeah, I mean, they still Lakers play good. Not. The Lakers are still a bad team with LeBron. That's because they have Westbrook. Mm-hmm. If you put Russell Westbrook on any team with any other star, you can just expect a losing season because he's not a team player. I mean, have you seen the shots he takes this year? I oh, have. They're pretty funny. They yeah. kind of make my brain hurt a little bit. I'm like, why would you do that? I'm like, first of all, you didn't even hit the rim. You hit, like, the top of the backboard. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even do that. Going back to the Lakers, um... What were your guys' expectations for the Lakers before the season, out of curiosity? I expected them to be like a fifth seed. Okay, so at honest. least in the playoffs. Yeah, I thought, I thought they would be better than, what are they, the 11th seed right now? Like, as ugh. and on a five-game losing streak, too. That's... They are the 11th seed, correct. Yeah, and I think... I've, yeah, they're on a five-game losing streak. That's... We love to see it. You, you must be... I mean, at least LeBron's playing good <sighs> yeah, for that's, your sake, that's, so. I don't watch the Lakers for the Lakers. I actually watch them and expect them to lose. I just watch for LeBron. That's Fair enough. I mean, LeBron's averaging that. 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. Could be the scoring champion win. at the age of 37. Yet, they, they just can't win. Right. Because Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I blame Russell Westbrook. 100%. So, this actually goes into um, what I wanted to get into next. There's a lot of reasons why the Lakers are struggling, obviously. Um, but I was I was going to ask you guys, what do you guys think is the main reason why they're struggling? Pat, it seems to Russell, be Russell Westbrook, Westbrook for you. I, I Yes, because he's just not a good... He doesn't mesh well with other all-stars, let alone the second greatest... I'm, listen, second greatest player of all time. Uh, who's greatest in, who's of in our, front? Michael Jordan. No, no. Greatest of our generation. 
Okay. I'll put it at that because every every era has their own greatest. LeBron is ours. I'll admit that. But he doesn't mesh well with any All-Stars. The only reason that I think people thought it worked in Oklahoma City was because Kevin Durant had the spotlight. And then Kevin Durant left. Westbrook's the only star on that team. So, of course, you know, he's getting his, he's averaging his triple-double, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you put him with other stars. You put him with Paul George. Didn't work. You put him with James Harden. Didn't work. You then shipped him off to the Wizards with Bradley Beal, and that didn't work. So where where in the Lakers' mindset did would bringing uh, Russell Westbrook to pair with Anthony Davis and LeBron, there's no way that would have worked. I remember the point guard free agency class uh, had a lot of names. Um, Mike Conley... Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry. Um, there's another one I can't seem to remember right now. But Russell Westbrook... Oh, Lonzo Ball. Russell Westbrook was the last point guard I wanted them to get. And that's who they got. They should have settled for anyone else. I yeah. mean, look at Lonzo right now. He's mm-hmm. playing out of his mind. He's having a standout season. Mm-hmm. They could have picked anybody. Even Kyle Lowry would right. have been better than Russell Westbrook. Because at least they're all team players. Everyone that you mentioned is a team player. They They're a playmaker. Except Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And you know it's bad when even LeBron starts to talk a little bit bad about you. That's how you know that you have to be horrible because LeBron's never talked bad about any of his teammates. But he's starting to about Russell Westbrook. That's why I think they're failing because they brought in Westbrook, who, like I said, not a team player. His shot selection is god-awful. He's not making anything. It's just, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Jake, for you, what do you think is the biggest reason why the Lakers fell so short of their expectations? So I think there's one perfect word to describe this team, and it's just dis- dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Like, this team is so dysfunctional in their lineups and their rotations. Everything within the organization right now is simply dysfunctional. And you can boil that down to the acquisition of Russell Westbrook, but I think it goes beyond that, too. They, If there was an old guy who was a free agent last season, they signed that player. We saw it with signees of like Dwight Howard, Russell Westbrook, everybody, and it just has not worked out for the Lakers this season. And sure, we can blame Russell Westbrook all we want, but I think there's fault to go around the table for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of pieces you could blame. Obviously, Russell Westbrook, because he turns the ball over like 13 times a game, and has missed like two-thirds, or not two-thirds, one-third of his dunk attempts this year somehow. That's I don't know how. It's like just, my favorite stat of all time. <laughs> it's, it's like it's if if you're gonna dunk it, just dunk it. Right? Like, don't yeah. there's it, I don't understand how people can like. Okay, you miss a dunk or two, yeah, you get rim stuff, whatever. A third? How do you miss a third of your dunks? Yeah, I don't and you're know. supposed to be a slashing point guard. Like that's what you're supposed to be known for is your dunks, and you can't dunk. Mm-hmm. It's, I have, uh, I have no idea. Um, so yeah, Russ, obviously. I think we could look at the injuries. Anthony Davis is apparently the softest player in NBA history. Like you touch him, he's out for two weeks. Kendrick Nunn, who I really feel like was supposed to be playing by now, hasn't played all year. Um, you could look at the coaching. Apparently, Frank Vogel hasn't. He forgot how to coach. Apparently, well, that's because he's not a coach. LeBron's <laughs> the coach, so perhaps I, I'm just saying. Hey, perhaps. I'm just saying. Um, we've had 38 starting lineups this year. <laughs> 38. Okay. That's more That's now, more starting lineups than they have wins. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize oh my that. Go. Oh, wow. I did not. I didn't know it was that much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of those are obviously due to injury, but still, 38 different lineups. Um, you could look at Rob Palenka, who put together the all-senior citizen team. <laughs> um, and again, 
it resembles absolutely, well, almost absolutely nothing like the championship team from two years ago. And again, you acquire these these older players, they're more prone to get hurt. I think if you could point to one piece of the Lakers organization that you could say, okay, you're not entirely innocent, but it is the least amount your fault is LeBron. Yeah, because he's still averaging 30 points a game. It's just that the, everyone around him is just bad. Right. Anthony Davis is a piece of paper when you yeah. touch him. He has been like he's the, for a while. He's that fish from SpongeBob. Yeah. Paper, skin, and glass bones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Every, yeah. And everyone else around him is just old. Mm-hmm. Like they're waning in their careers. They're right. not as good as they used to be. Yeah, they're names that everyone recognizes, but if you're not winning, people aren't going to show up to your games. Mm-hmm. And that, well, no, the people will still show up to the Lakers. Yeah, games, because they still have LeBron. But I'm saying, like, say if LeBron left and they still had, like, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, nobody, nobody would go. This might be the worst team in the West without oh. LeBron. Oh, yeah. Like, let's be like, real. It this, could be. this team might actually make the Pistons look good at right. points, and that's saying something because that's the Detroit Pistons, and we're talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not good. <laughs> right. So at 37 years old, LeBron could win the scoring title. He had to play center a couple of games this year. Still averaged, like, 30 points a game. He is the one that is positively impacting this team the most. But I feel like a lot of people out there want to blame LeBron because... Well, he's LeBron. He's supposed to get teams into a championship yeah, contending I, position. I, yeah, I think the reason everyone wants to throw hate at him is because, like, what do you think about it? LeBron is the reason why a lot of these players came to mm-hmm. L.A. because he wanted them to be there. He influenced the front office uh, front office to be like, hey, we should bring these guys in. So I understand why people could be mad about that. But if you're looking, like, on the court, it's not LeBron's fault. Right. And I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, but I know it's not his fault. He's playing out of his mind. He could win the scoring. Championship. He's a, he's only I think what like two thousand points away from passing Kareem, an all time scorer. One thousand three hundred and twenty five. Yes, I'm keeping track. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that threw me off a little bit, but it's not his fault that the Lakers are failing. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to blame anybody, it's everybody but LeBron's fault. Right. Because like, the coaching is awful. Like, it's like it was, it's dysfunctional. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Makes my brain hurt when I watch them play. I'm like, how is how are they an NBA team? It's yeah. like watching like a like a JV team with that one varsity player on it. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. That's what it feels like I'm watching. I'm like, oh right. my, right? Mm. It sucks because it's like they should be so good. Mm-hmm. So this actually gets us into our round the rue this week. Uh, last week, 54 percent of you guys said that you would like the MLB to keep the ghost runner in extra innings. Should have been more. <laughs> um, so this week, our round the rue is. Is the are the Lakers' struggles? Is it mostly LeBron's fault, or is it hardly LeBron's fault? That poll will be up when we go into our next break. I'm very curious to see what you guys have to say. Hopefully, all you guys that vote make the right choice. That's all I gotta say. And then right before we get into break, I just really quickly want to ask you guys a question: Do we like the playing tournament? I like it. Do you? Okay. I, I do because it adds like a little bit of extra it adds like extra basketball in. Plus it's like well it's getting it's getting those like teams that, you know, they almost got there. It's giving them a chance to play for a spot. I mean look look at the Grizzlies when they got in the plan. I mean mm-hmm. they did something, so I like it. Yeah, I love the plan too. It gives teams that might not normally make the postseason to get some shine and teams that had struggles early in the year or maybe dealt with some injuries along the way, get to play in an exciting postseason format where they have to fight to get in. So I do enjoy it. 
I'm going to take the opposite stance as you guys. I actually don't like the plan. Really? I, I understood it for the bubble year, and I understood it for last year because we only played 72 games, which, first of all, should not have played 72 games, should have played, like, 50. The NBA really only wanted money. That's yeah. why there were 72 games. I understood it for those two years, but I think now that we're back to an 82-game regular season, I don't think it needs to exist anymore. I just think, you know, you put the best eight teams in each conference in, and this doesn't exist. I can understand that side of it, but, I mean, I kind of like it because, like, it does give teams like the Hornets, like, right. they're in the play-in. Mm-hmm. Gives them a chance to make a playoff appearance. Like, oh, hey, look, they're in. Right. No, I so could I'm, be... I like it for that, but, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, it's like, say the Cavs fall, yeah. or the Cavs stay at, like, seven or eight. Well, then it's like, okay, if we lose in the play-in, then the play-in looks... Like stupid. Right. That's. I was thinking maybe I'm a bit biased, and that's why. Well, see, I can understand like that point because it's like, like if your team is in the top eight and then they would lose in the plan to like whoever's at tenth, it's like okay, I don't like the plan, but at the same time, it's like, right. It's not. It's not horrible that they yeah. have it. No, it's not the worst thing. I do think it does uh, attract a lot of attention as well. Uh, but for me, I just think if you you're if you lose. Like one or two games after you've already, you know, had a better record than these teams, I think you should make the playoffs at that Fair point. Enough. There shouldn't be these extra obstacles for you to, to get through. But that's just my opinion. Fair enough. Maybe maybe I'm just stupid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, we're gonna go ahead and head into our third break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the Guardians and some MLB string spring training. Wow. So stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk right here on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longville. Joining me is Patrick Weber. Good afternoon. And Jake Mern. It's baseball season. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into a little bit of Guardians spring training talk. Currently, the Guardians have a 7-8-1 and record in spring training. They did lose to the Rangers 3-1 to last night. What have what have been your guys' thoughts on spring training as far as scores, records, storylines, etc. so far? Not bad, apart from the fact that the Rangers on the fourth game put up 25 runs against us. I understand. Yeah, see, I, I was wondering. I've seen a lot of games in spring training where it's almost like 30. Like, how does that happen? Baseball's great. That's why. Yeah. That's not a good answer. As, that, no, that, that, that's the perfect answer as, to have there. As an outsider, I really do want to know. It's like double-A teams, like, those pitchers are pitching against MLB-caliber players. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. like, they'll take, yeah, they'll take like, somebody from, like, the Rubber Ducks and then put them against, like... Jose Ramirez. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's so it's like if I was pitching. Yeah. Okay. And, and then you're going up against... <laughs> well, like, kind of <laughs> like that, but then Probably. you're pitching against, like, Fernando Tatis or Mike Trout. Like, that's the type of thing that goes on with that, so... Okay. I'd actually probably walk both of them, if I'm being honest, because I, I don't think I can pitch. I think if I'd you probably pitch hit them, because I can't... Yeah. Accurately throw a yeah, ball that, that hard. That, like, yeah, that. You know what I mean? Say, just hit him with a pitch. Because if you try and throw, it, even if it is a ball, they can maybe reach out. and They'll reach out and they'll pass. hit it like 500. Just okay. moonshot. Next level <laughs> plays for uh, for pitching here <laughs> on Sports Power Talk. But with spring training, like you can't look too much into the record and into those drastic scores that we've been talking about. You kind of have to dig down deep and see exactly what players are playing well and which ones aren't. That's where really where spring training comes in handy. Um, for example, for the Guardians, one player that has been playing very bad this year so far is Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer has been a 
somewhat consistent part of this team at batting around the low 230-240 range. Um, still a great outfielder, though. Gives a lot of energy to this team and can steal bases whenever he wants. But unfortunately for Zimmer in this spring training, um, Jeff, I know you're not a big baseball guy, but I know you're going to think this sounds bad. Bad. He has struck out 15 times in 28 plate appearances. Sounds like me. So in 28 times he has batted, he has struck out 15 times. It's the second worst in the whole MLB for spring training, only behind one Cody Bellinger of the L.A. Dodgers. Fantastic. So I played baseball for one year when I was 10 years old. I hit the ball a grand total of two times. Hey. Never actually made it on base. Oh. <laughs> I did have one RBI, though. So oh, I there got you that. Go. There you go. I got that. You so, contributed. That's right. It's we didn't of, win a game that year. Did, did you get a participation <laughs> trophy? I Probably not. We were so bad. <laughs> I have no idea. All I'd say is when I played baseball, I was so bad. My parents used to have to try to pay me to get on base because I was just that bad. Extra incentive, like, though. That's yeah. nice. I never got on base, though. That's the thing. It was kind of like a, what well, if? Oh, uh, I never, because oh, okay. that's how bad I was at batting. Okay. I was horrible. Were they making fun of you, or were they incentivizing you to get they were trying to. They, they were trying to get me to be more aggressive, but okay, quite then, yeah, frankly, eh, it didn't work. Mm, that's a good thing. You have more RBIs than me. I can say, though, I pitched, <laughs> I pitched one game. For a grand total of, I think, 20 pitches, and I walked every single person that I was... We, we were already down, like, 20 like twenty to something. It was, like, a championship game, like, in, like, our little league thing, like, the th- like a little thing or something. Right. I was, like, eight. I was, like, oh, I'm going to be a pitcher. And then I would proceed to get, to like, three, two, and then I would look at the kid. And I'm, like, I don't like this kid, and I'd hit him. I just <laughs> nice. throw the ball and I'd hit him. Because I'm, like, I don't like after, this kid anymore. After getting it to a full count, that's when you decide. Oh, well, yeah, because I'd, I'd look at him, and then he'd just look at me weird, and I'm like, I don't like you. Would there have been more outs <laughs> if they were using a T to hit the ball? Yeah, probably. But, you know, when when you go through, I think we went through, like, eight pitchers that game. That's not that's wow. not great. That's, like, the, almost the whole team. I mean, they put me out there, and I, dude, I was, I played outfield because I was just bad. <laughs> yeah, when you're young and you're bad, you just get stuck in the outfield. Jake, did you play baseball? Uh, yeah, a couple of years. Never really. Were you better than us? I sure hope so. Please. A little bit. When I was younger, I played, and I was okay. And then, you know, you go through that stage where you're, like, scared of the ball. So I stopped, and then I came back, and then I was terrible, and I was like, well, yeah, might as well stop. Interesting. Fair enough. Interesting. Yeah. Let's get let's get a WZIP, like, softball game going. They're, so we really, can that would, that would be they're really cheap, actually. WZIP's own Alex Henry was talking to me about it. Okay. And apparently they're really cheap, and I'd be down. That'd be fun. Awesome. That'd be so awesome. much fun. Let's do it. Let's um, do it. Yes. You have a limit to how many batters you can hit, though, Pat. <sighs> I think he wants you to hit two. Listen, I just won't I prefer pitch. zero. Base runners I just are won't bad. pitch. I'll Base just, runners are bad. I just, I just won't pitch. I think that's a, a fair trade-off. Okay. Okay. I feel like you can be a catcher. I, I, I could be a catcher, yeah. Alrighty. Uh, any other... Storylines or any more analysis you guys want to give about spring training so far? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot going on in spring training right now. Um, one name that Guardians fans can expect to see a lot of is prospect Stephen Kwan. He made the opening day roster for the outfield, and in this spring training is 10 for 22, which is a 455 batting average with zero strikeouts. So Stephen Kwan likely to get a couple starting appearances in the outfield for us. Owen Miller and uh, Andres Jimenez also having great springs. Um, Owen Miller batting 458 with a team leading three home runs. And Jimenez with a 421 batting average. Uh, Josh Naylor and James Karinczak are expected to start the season on the IL. 
Uh, Josh Naylor is my favorite Guardians player. Um, he's been playing in some spring training games, but I understand why they're going to put him on the IL. It's a long season. you got to play it safe to start off. And our starting rotation has been announced officially. Uh, for the regular season, Shane Bieber will get the opening day start. No shocker there. And then it's actually going to go Zach Plesak, Cal Quantrill, and then Aaron Savali with Tristan McKenzie available and likely to make a late season start with just how the schedule works out. We have an off day in between, um, so I want to maximize Shane Bieber's starts. So it'll it'll become more clear as we get into the season. But right now, that's going to be how it goes. And, yeah, that's pretty much the big spring training headlines. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm not mad with how we've played this spring so far. I expect it to be way worse. And then, I mean, it's weird, though, because when you look at the teams that we've lost, it's like, how do we lose to them? But then you have to remember, like, teams like the Rangers made a lot of moves in the offseason. The season. Rangers are going to be very good this year. Same with the Twins. It's crazy what happens when you spend money. Yeah, I know, right? Like, when you wow. spend money just one offseason, you become one you know, of the favorites I, in the I look, I look at it in this mindset that at least we're not going to be the worst baseball team in Ohio. At least we're not the Cincinnati Reds, oh, who yeah. let our entire oh, team yeah. walk away. So The Reds Let's were the... Go. Opposite of a spender, I know like you either don't spend or you do spend. Mm. The Reds just let everybody walk, and for no reason because they were good last year with the team with the players that they had, mm-hmm. and then so they they, they let Nick Castellanos just walk away. It's yeah. like wow, and why so would you do continuing that? Continuing the success that they had built, they were like, all right, yeah, goodbye. But no, they did they did make one move, and it was to get uh, what what was that? Garrett, uh, the pitcher. I just I forgot his name. Um, the guy that tried to fight a lot of people. I don't remember his name, but he was terrible at pitching, and they re-signed him. So I guess they did that because that makes sense for the Reds. I think so I'm glad did, I'm not a Reds um, fan. Uh, I'm blanking on the name as well, but yeah, at least. Oh no, it was uh, Amir Garrett. That, that's okay. what I think it was. Yeah, okay. He's terrible, and I'm pretty sure they re-signed him. But so at least we're not the worst MLB team in Ohio. We're not the A's so. either. The A's spent zero dollars in this offseason. They did, did nothing. We didn't spend much more than that, but well, it's better than zero. It is better than And we still have Jose Ramirez, so I, I take that as a positive sign. For yeah, now. since you since you guys brought him up, um, he is currently signed through 2023, but in 2024 will become an unrestricted free agent. And the negotiations between him and the Guardians hasn't led to an extension yet. You guys have thoughts on that? Extend him. Please extend him. Extend him. Extend He's like all we have. Please extend him. <laughs> extend Jose Ramirez. Please. Please. I will echo that sentiment, but I know better not to be optimistic about that. Um, This feels very like deja vu type Mm -hmm. with Francisco Lindor. Don't say that. Please don't say that. We had that season where it was literally like the storyline of that season, that last season with Lindor was enjoy him while we have him. And this season, it feels almost the exact same. Just enjoy Jose Ramirez while we have him. Um, he wants to play in Cleveland, but of course, we're lowballing him offers. The Dolans are reluctant to commit long-term money to a franchise player. And you know, while we were starting to talk about negotiations for an extension, negotiations have stalled. Even teams like the Toronto Blue Jays have come out saying they have a strong interest. Just enjoy him while we have him because I don't think we're going to have him much longer. That's going to hurt because as the guy sitting here wearing a Jose Ramirez shirt right now, I don't want to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Please just it, spend – we spent a little bit of money at least. I mean, we extended Shane Bieber for like one year, and we just extended Emmanuel Classe for five years. But can we just just spend the money? Please just extend Jose Ramirez. Mm-hmm. That's so that's all we need. 
I asked this question last week on the show, and I want to see what your guys' thoughts are on this too. I asked, like, who's who's to blame here with the whole contract negotiations and whether you're willing to spend money or not? Is it the MLB owners, like the the Dolans, who are not willing to spend the money on their players and on their team? Or is it the MLB themselves who are not setting, like, a salary floor or salary cap to where these teams aren't allowed to get away with doing what they're doing? I think it's a mix of both. Because it's, it's uh, sorry, it stinks because, like, in the MLB, it's the only league that has no salary cap. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the NBA isn't much better because they only have a soft cap, so, like, you can kind of almost do whatever you want. But, like, the MLB needs to have something like what the NFL has, like the NHL, because not having a salary cap means teams like the Dodgers, where they have the money to spend like that, they'll just sign anyone they want. And it's mm-hmm. nothing to them, but they still can't win, so. I would I, have to agree. I think it's... Uh, both faults as well. Uh, I think that all sports should have a salary cap so that way teams like the Yankees can't just sign whoever they want because of the Yankees. But at the same time, I think that the Dolans should do what most other teams are doing and, and spend, spend money. the money. Because if you want to get good, you got to spend money yes, to get the, the good players. That's the thing. You said if they want to get good. I don't think they want to get good. I think they want to get. They want to hoard. I feel like they want to hoard all the money. I think they want to get money, and that's all they care about. Mm. And if these owners are allowed to not spend the money on their team, not spend the money on their players, and in free agency, then why? Like, of course, it's their fault. But at the same time, like, as a businessman, which I guess they are, <laughs> just don't spend as much money on your players. Still reap the benefits, and you know. The worst case scenario is what the fans will huckle you over and over and over again. And wasn't that already happening? Yeah, but even then, like he's sitting in a mansion, and we're the ones right. saying sign Jose Ramirez because we want him on our team. And he's like, "Why would I sign him and give all this money away when I'm still making?" Right. You see more this? More? You see what I have right here? What I'm surrounded by? Yep. This is quite nice. That's why I blame more so the MLB than the owners because the owners are allowed to get away with this type of thing. Right. Um, whereas the, the MLB, I definitely it. think. I don't know if a salary cap would happen just based off the realistic like options within the. Well, MLB yeah, especially thing. since baseball, you can you can play for such a long time. Like yeah. the contracts you yeah. see that people sign are like eight to nine years. Right. Unlike you know in the NBA and NFL, it's like two or three years. But I think a salary <laughs> cap would be more realistic, and it would make owners like the Dolans who don't want to or can't spend the money on certain free agents just sell the team and move on. Keeping all this in mind, what are your guys' expectations for the Guardians this season? <laughs> um, Apparently, they're not very so, good. You know that I'm very passionate about all the teams that I like. That's right. Um, the Guardians, I this might be the only team I'm not super optimistic about. Um, I expect us to finish probably third in our division. Okay. Be, I mean, obviously behind the White Sox because the White Sox are good. I don't agree with their trade, though. They definitely lost that trade with the Dodgers. Really? But I mean, I think so. I think the Dodgers got better in an area they needed with Craig Krimble in the bullpen. But, I mean, A.J. Pollock in the outfield for the White Sox, that's still going to be nasty. So. Yeah, but I mean, again, I still think that the trade-off was a little... Yeah. I feel like the White Sox would have got more for that, but it is what it is. And honestly, mm, like I said, I have a f- either second or third, but if we finish second, it'll be like last year where... Yeah, we finished second, but there was a large gap between the White Sox and us. Well, the Twins also were one of the worst teams last year. And they just got Carlos Correa, so... So, Mm. looking at the AL Central, so what I'm going to say right now is going to be really bad, 
And then what I'm going to say after is going to be really good because I'm an optimist at heart. But it's so hard being in the AL Central right now because as the Guardians, they're not doing anything. They spent $600,000 in free agency, didn't add nearly anybody. And then you see all these other teams in the AL Central actually making moves. The, tw- the Twins, like you said, it got Carlos Correa, probably the biggest free agent in this class. And then you, they also signed Isaiah Kenner-Falefa, um, also got K- Gary Sanchez, Sonny Gray, and Gio Rochella. So the Twins are loaded right now. Even the Tigers. The Tigers have no chance at doing anything this season, but yet they still signed Javi Baez. So, I mean, good for them, I guess. Good for their fan base. And the White Sox, they lost Carlos Rodon to San Francisco, but still have the firepower in the lineup. And they just added A.J. Bullock from the Dodgers. Even the Royals making moves, signing Zach Greinke and prospect Bobby Witt Jr., likely to make some moves this season as well. And then, you know, you have the Guardians doing... We're just dead in the water. Literally nothing. And just seeing everything else going on in the AL Central, it's not fun. Right now, I do have, like, my early season predictions for the AL Central. It's the White Sox, Twins, Guardians, Royals, and Tigers. Like I said, I don't think the Tigers can compete. The Royals, they might be able to pass us, but right now, depending on the prospect, Bobby Witt, I still have the Royals underneath the Guardians. And then the White Sox, they're one of the best teams in the AL, um, beyond the AL Central. And then the Twins, like I just named off those guys that they added, they'll be pretty competitive as well. So that's the bad part. AL Central is getting better as we are getting worse. But like I said, I'm an optimist at heart with an expanded postseason this year. There's 12 teams in it now. I think we might be able to get one of those 12 spots. Interesting. Very interesting. Fair enough. Hopefully, hopefully. So let's look at the MLB as a whole now. Do you guys have any early championship favorites? Uh, I have one, but I want you guys to go There's first. really only one choice. Well, the Dodgers, but... I have two teams listed, but there's really only one choice. I mean, the obvious choice is to go with the Dodgers, yep. because the mm-hmm. Dodgers, if you're a free agent and you're a big name, you're going to L.A. That's just how it works in the MLB. Um, I don't want to put the Dodgers out there, but they're probably going to win. Um, I think that... Let's look here. I do have the Dodgers, though. Okay. Dodgers is my number one. They have, like, the top of their lineup, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman. They also have guys like Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, and their starting lineup with Walker Bueller, um, even Clayton Kershaw. He's inconsistent at this age, but the Dodgers are loaded, and... You know, when you pay money to your guys, it's going to pay off. Um, I think this is the year for the Dodgers to win it all. Okay. I want to throw out the Twins as a possibility, too, because they are going to be very competitive. Depending on how all the new additions work out for the Twins, I could see that happening as well. I also want to say the Angels, but they always seem to fall. I feel like the Angels are kind of like Gonzaga. Like, they always have all these big names. They just can't win because mm. I mean yeah Mike Trout's good but he's like Anthony Davis Mike Trout will be injured within the first two months of the season and then he'll be out for the rest of the I season would put, and then I would just, put money on that yeah and then he'll be out and then he'll just fall on the shoulders of Shohei Otani which, who's your team though Jeff don't no wait I, I know exactly what he's gonna say <laughs> don't say no I just don't I just it. clicked don't I it just clicked don't oh my mm. uh, yeah, before <laughs> before I say this let me just preface it's actually not a bad pick not all that big into baseball I just like to irritate people sometimes. Oh. Now, when I was looking at the power rankings for the MLB, I did see the Dodgers quite a bit, and that's who I was going to go with. 
But then I saw this team, and I was like, oh, wait, no. This is my team right here. Kyle Monelli, I don't know if you're listening, but if you are, this is for you. America's team, uh, the Houston Astros, stop are going to win the World stop Series just because no. of the Houston Astros. No, they cheat. The bang trash cans. The cheat. doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Okay. It does matter. Yes, it does matter. But listen, I'm picking the Astros. It it's took not, me so long to pick. when when you said you had a pick. I was like, oh, I wonder who it, like who it could be. And then I was going through like the standings, <laughs> and then I saw them, and I'm like, I know what he's gonna say. I know exactly he's gonna say the Astros. But no, mm-hmm. no, they should be banned from the MLB for seasons for cheating. They should. It's they, not a bad. They pick. should. They should. But. Like I it's said, it's not a bad pick. I, I like just, to have fun. I do. I do also have the Toronto Blue Jays in there. Ooh, okay. Um, they're pretty good. Added Matt Chapman, Kevin Gosman. Um, they still have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer, Hyunjin Ryu, Jose Barrios. Um, a lot of great guys on the Blue Jays that could make a run in the AL as well. I think the Rangers could also be a team to kind of keep an eye out for. Because I mean. They've never really. I mean, they've had the like star power. They haven't done anything with it. But then they added Marcus Simeon. So I feel like they're going to be the Blue Jays of last year, where like they just come up short um, in making the playoffs. But now with the expanded playoffs, they'll probably make it, but not do much against the more competitive teams coming down the stretch of the the season. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the MLB. Um, Hopefully, for you guys, the Guardians do well, and hopefully, for me, the Astros win. Um, but Jake, uh, from what I understand, WrestleMania was last night, correct? Or at least part of it was last night. Night right? one was yeah. last night. Night two is tonight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you're a big wrestling fan, obviously. You, we were talking a little bit off air about it. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to share about night one of WrestleMania? Yeah, sure. Um, first off, I am a wrestling fan. I am a big AEW fan. All Elite Wrestling is where it's at for professional wrestling fans and for people that might nice get plugs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people that want to get into professional wrestling should start at AEW. Um, WWE has just gotten too predictive, too... It's just all over the place. It's all the same stars getting pushed. It's not a fun time. But, you know, WrestleMania, the biggest event of the year, um, I had to tune in. So I did. Uh, I mainly have, like, two big takeaways. And okay. that's the biggest takeaways that anybody has. Um, but first, you know, we mentioned, like, the, the Logan Paul... A match. So Logan Paul teamed up with The Miz and they wrestled against the Usos and the Usos uh, got the, or no, they did not wrestle against the Usos. It was somebody else, but I see this, this shows how much I've been out of WWE. But regardless, the Miz and Logan Paul, they fought the Mysterios. They fought Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Ray Mysterio is still wrestling? Yes, he is. Wow. With his son. He has a Dominic, son? With his son. You've never seen the ladder match for the custody of Dominic? Bro, no. I've seen it. I, I think I have it on DVD. Actually, they are they were Raw Tag Team Champions not too long ago. What? And it's like Ray's like biggest thing in his career because I mean, could you imagine being a tag team champion with your son? It's a pretty big deal. But the one gripe in that match that I have, so the Miz, I think you would probably even know this, Jeff. The Miz is from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He's a big Cleveland guy, big Browns guy, big Guardians guy, of course. And Logan Paul. Also from the state of Ohio. Um, unlike other people, I'm not opposed to the Paul brothers and what they're doing right now. And they come out dressed in black and yellow. Yes. 
Oh, interesting. I love that. Like, those are the two where, best colors in the world. Where was WrestleMania? Dallas. Okay, that doesn't really make they any looked, sense. Then. They looked really good. I mean, the gear on Logan was pretty sharp as well. But why the black and yellow? You guys are from Those Cleveland. are the two best colors you can like ask Like when for. Jake Paul <laughs> had a boxing match in Cleveland, he came out with Cleveland logos all over himself. And I was like, you know, at that time I didn't really like Jake Paul, but I was willing to say, okay, I the, just what he's wearing alone, Jake Paul, I mm-hmm. respect you. But they come out in black and yellow. I mean, come on. They got to make a better choice than that. I think it's the perfect choice. No, it's, I'm it's just, the I'm just worst saying. choice. Bad. I thought it's the beautiful but choice. Other than that little nitpicky thing I have for WrestleMania, um, it was actually pretty pretty good last night, I'd say. Um, still pretty predictive, in my opinion. Um, number one, Stone Cold Steve Austin came back 19 years out of the business, uh, came back and fought Kevin Owens in the main events. It was a no-holds-barred match. They were fighting all over the arena. Um, Stone Cold brought out his ATV. That was a lot of fun to see. And it was my first time I've ever watched a Stone Cold match. So that was pretty entertaining. Um, He had a lot to drink during the match and after the match. A lot. (laughs) um, Promoting his own own drink as well. So good for him there. Um, But my biggest takeaway beyond just Stone Cold's return is the return of another man, the unfortunate return in my mind, the return of the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Um, for those of you that don't know, Cody Rhodes was one of the man, one of the men responsible for starting the revolution that is known as AEW. So Cody Rhodes, I appreciate him. Um, I love everything he did for All Elite Wrestling. Unfortunately, his contract expired, and he went back to the place that he denounced so much and trashed so much. And he was Seth Rollins' mystery opponent last night at WrestleMania. And he came out to that big crowd, had a huge pop. And uh, Cody Rhodes, good for him because I know he wanted that and he's getting what he wants. But it's sad to see what he did in AEW and I was one of those few fans left that really cherished what he was doing in AEW whereas other people were kicking him out the door. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to see him in WWE, but I do wish Cody Rhodes the best, and hopefully we see him in AEW by the time his wrestling career is over. Also, shout out The Undertaker. Right. Yes. Finally yes. inducted. Right. His Hall of Fame induction speech was oh, something else. Love The Undertaker. I love The Undertaker mm-hmm. so much. And on that note, we're going to head into our fourth break. Uh, all of us made mock drafts for the ML, uh, for the NFL draft, so we're really excited to reveal those to you guys. So stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our fourth and final segment right here on Sports Power Talk, live on 88.1. My name is Jeff Longville. Joining me is Patrick Weber. Let's go Steelers. And Jake Murren. Can can we not? <laughs> yeah. <this> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll not. agree with you on that one. I'll agree with you on that one. Dude, come on. <laughs> um, so some news that broke uh, right before we went, we went on air, actually. Frank Gore is announcing his retirement. He plans to sign a one-day contract with the 49ers. He is the third all-time rusher in NFL history. Good for you, Frank Gore. What a career. Congrats on a phenomenal career. Mm-hmm. And don't don't try boxing. It doesn't work Yeah, for he you. also lost to I'm just Darren saying. Williams in a boxing match. Forgot to mention that on his career it's highlights. So but hey, that, that was a, a match that I was so happy I got to watch. <laughs> on a card with the Paul brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that, you didn't have to bring that up, but... I don't under, uh, I'm not going to get into the debate because I can talk about it all day, but mm-hmm. I just don't understand the slander against the Paul brothers. But that's, that's okay. Right. You don't have uh, to 
Dope back. I'm sure if you search up okay, the I YouTube mean, video talk, from back yeah, in the day. Are we going to talk yeah, about the past? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking just about saying, what they're doing right now. Oh, right now, there's no problem. But I'm saying is if you want to know why nobody likes him, if you want to search up a Logan that's, Paul video from well, a few years Logan. ago, I'm sure that that's a good reason. I'm, I'm talking more honestly, so Honestly, I just think both of them are annoying. And that's, Jake's kind of rude. I'm talking more rude. so Jake Paul. Yeah. He's so full of himself. I mean, Jake's just so full of himself that mm, I, I that's mean, a reason not to like him. I mean, would you not be if he, if you were doing what he's doing? No, I wouldn't. No, be. no, eh, I don't know. No, like yeah, I would be full of myself, but not like what he is. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I'd be like cool. Like I'm kind of famous. I wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Right. Um, let's saying. let's go ahead and talk about the Browns a little bit. Um, so apparently, the Browns are going to keep Baker Mayfield for now, despite the fact that they just acquired Deshaun Watson not too long ago. Andrew Barry came out and said that there is no timetable for making a decision on what to do with Baker, so he could <coughs> theoretically be on the Browns roster by the time the season starts. What do you guys think about this? So what I'm thinking is the reason they haven't tried to trade him yet is pending the decision on the NFL of what to do with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suspension-wise, the Browns could be holding on to Baker as like a, we'll keep you around and hope that you'll want to play in I case mean, Deshaun won't. Watson think, gets suspended. I actually don't think that has anything to do with it, though. Okay. They well, got I'm, Jaco- I'm sure a lot of teams are interested. Like I know the Seahawks should be interested because I don't want to rely on Drew Locke. I mean, the Browns went out and got a whole new QB room mm-hmm. with not only Deshaun Watson, but with Jacoby Brissett. And I feel like Jacoby Brissett, that whole signing was for that case scenario where Deshaun Watson gets suspended, Phil and Jacoby Brissett for those games. I don't think Baker... Right. You know, I could see a scenario where Baker Mayfield is on this team at the start of the season, but I don't see a scenario where he is dressed in a football uniform. They might also be doing this as like a like a change in and out because if Deshaun Watson does does get suspended, they could just be holding on to Baker to hope that his trade value will go up. Because obviously, after last year, who really wants Baker Mayfield? So I mean, I like do. you said, if if uh, Seattle. I mean, because yeah, it's know, better than Drew Locke. Quarterback. It, it's be- it's yes. better than Drew Locke. Yes. Any, yes. any quarterback is better than Drew Locke. Your Except favorite one. QB, Dude, yeah. that's the future of the NFL. What are you There's only one movie? quarterback in the entire NFL that Stop. is worse than Drew Locke. Cut off his mic. And oh, it's Mason, it Mason Rudolph. Okay. okay. He is beneath everyone. It's Mason Rudolph, <laughs> then Drew Locke, and then everybody else is all right. I thought right. you were going to make a joke that Mitch Trubisky was like the best QB. Money, A. Money, Mitch. That's why I wanted to trust. Trust. Um, yeah, so the reason for why the Browns haven't been able to move on from Baker is really up in the air. Uh, but if he stays on the Browns roster heading into the season, I think that it could create some potential problems in the in the locker room. Because you can say whatever you want about Baker Mayfield's play. Like, I'll be the first to admit, I don't think Baker's played all that well outside of the year that they made the playoffs a couple years ago. But other than that, not, I haven't been that big of a fan. But if you look at the situation, right? This is the guy that the Browns drafted number one overall who was supposed to be the future of their franchise. And even though he didn't quite live up to their expectations, he still, you know, he still fought through injury. He still gave this organization basically everything that he had, even if it wasn't the best play on the field. If the Browns are going to treat a guy like that the way that they have with this scenario, how are they going to treat any other player? who isn't a quarterback. Like, I feel like that has to be in the minds of some true. of the players in the locker room. That is true, because they said from the get-go, like, going into this offseason, they said that Baker Mayfield is our guy. We're not going to look anywhere else. This is a quote from, like, again, everywhere in the Browns. are like, oh, yeah, this is our guy. We're not going to look for another quarterback. Everything's fine. And then immediately free agency hits, and what do they do? They start shopping around for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
So that's going to put a mindset for everybody, like whether you're Nick Chubb, you know, Miles Garrett, anybody, because you're going to start thinking that, well, hey, they say that we're the go-to guys, like we're the future of this franchise, but look what they just did to Baker. Mm -hmm. It's showing that, like, do they really feel like you're the face of the franchise, like you're going to be that guy, or are they just saying that to get you to stay long enough until you are inevitably replaced by somebody that they see is a better fit. Which right. goes for every team, don't get me wrong, but the way that they went about it was very poor mm-hmm. and a very bad yeah. look for the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree with you. And I do trust the Browns organization, the front office, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, everybody. But it's hard It's hard to see that trust right now with what happened at the QB position this offseason. Not only signing a guy like Deshaun Watson and you know, we can talk about the legal issues if we want, but um, even that aside, telling Baker that he was our guy and having him for the many years that we did and having that run in the playoffs like we did, beating the Steelers in the playoffs, making Big Ben cry on the bench. Yes, I'm saying this for you, Pat. <laughs> ah, thanks. <laughs> Doing all that, just in seeing what we, how we've been treating him and pretty much just throwing him to the curb, it, it doesn't sit well with me. And, you know, a lot of people are excited a lot of people are disgusted by Deshaun Watson coming to Cleveland. I'm still pretty torn, not only because of all the legal issues, but because Baker Mayfield was my guy, and it hurts to see him. You had to take those stickers off your laptop, didn't I, you? I took two out of the four <laughs> off. Two of them, he was in a Browns uniform. I took those off. The other two are just Baker Mayfield related because I do still support him as a uh, human, as a man, and as a QB in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, the Baker Mayfield saga in Cleveland. Uh, will he be on their roster when the season starts, or will he be somewhere else? We'll see what happens. Um, some other news in the NFL. Bruce Arians retired as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. He will be taking a role in the front office and will be replaced by their defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. Um, Arians said that succession has always been big for him and that he's probably going to be retiring after next year anyway. And he'd rather see Bowles take this job than another one. Todd Bowles has been their D.C. since 2019 and was the head coach of the Jets from 2015 to 2018, where the Jets went 24 and 40. But he'll have a lot more to work with in Tampa Bay. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to have, obviously, a more defensive-oriented mindset next year, which is fine because I think Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich can take care of the offense. Your guys' thoughts on this in Tampa Bay? I mean, I'm not mad about that uh, whole situation, but you have to keep in mind that there have been rumors flying around that Tom Brady might want to go to Miami with what they're building there. I'm just saying that should that happen, you're kind of left in the water if you're Tampa Bay. I mean, because now you have a... I mean, already having a defensive coordinator as a coach, like head coach, already is going to be like, hey, this team's going to be all about defense. And when you have Tom Brady, I mean, the team shouldn't be all about defense. It should be more offensive. Mm -hmm. Uh more offensively focused. That's going to be interesting. Right. I, think. I don't yeah. think there's any like true way to, to lean. Like if they didn't have Tom Brady, I'd be like, oh, this is probably not a good idea. But they have Tom Brady, so I'm like, I don't know if this is a good or bad idea that they have a defensive coordinator as a head coach now. So I don't know. Yeah, I think Todd Bowles is a great coach. Um, we can't really judge him much when he was with the New York Jets because it was the New York Jets. The franchise is cursed. I swear. Absolutely. Yeah, but. I mean, his work as defensive coordinator showed with Tampa Bay. They had a great defense. And, you know, I don't love that he's the defensive-minded coach for the head coach on a team that has Tom Brady at the helm. But, but I mean, look at Belichick. 
Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're right there. So I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think Tom Brady will win with whatever coach he has, regardless of whether they are offensive or defensive-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to some more NFL free agency news. Patrick Peterson is going to stay with the Minnesota Vikings on a one-year deal. He said that he was excited about new head coach Kevin O'Connell and new defensive coordinator Ed Donatel, who, if I'm not mistaken, was the Browns D.C. last year, right? Who was it? Ed Donatel? No. No? Okay, he was he was the Broncos D.C. a couple of years ago. Or it might have been. Yeah, not not like I thought you not meant the last biggest year. fan. I thought you meant last season. I was like, nope, that's not. Okay. Fine. Yeah, maybe. All right, my bad. Um, Not the biggest fan of Ed Donatel. I think he's okay, but I don't think it'd be anything for me to be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting Ed Donatel. I'm going to stay, you know. <laughs> um, He's 30, 31 years old. Not a big contract, base salary of $4 million, $3.5 million guaranteed. I do like the move, though, because Minnesota, to me, has a lot of talent. And with Devontae Adams moving on from Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers having currently nobody to throw the ball to, maybe the Vikings could take back the NFC North I think they could, especially when the Packers lost uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling to um, Mm -hmm. the Chiefs. Yep. Oh, yeah, Yeah. shout out to the Chiefs because, well, you got one of the TikTokers off my team, so I'm not too... Oop. We're good. All right. <laughs> good catch. So I'm not too mad. I mean, they took one of the TikTokers off my team. Mm-hmm. I, I They took the one I wanted us to not have. Right. But I, that's a good move. It's yeah. a good move. I like yeah, it. I, I like it. The Vikings have a lot of young talent. All they need to do is eventually work out a quarterback situation because I love Kirk Cousins. But he's meh. Yeah. You know, like, not not the greatest you can have. Not the worst. And that's why the Packers are still going to win that division. No. It's pretty possible. No. It's, it's, it could it's still happen. True. You know, they're going to get wide receivers in the drafts. I mean, I get very... I'm not going to... Re- okay, if I'm the Packers, yes, you're going to get a wide receiver in the draft, but your number one guy that they're going to learn from is now Alan Lazard. That's not a guy I would want to have rookies learning off of. Yeah, but that's that's at the wide receiver position. I mean, they're really going to be learning off of Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And regardless of who they might have at wide receiver right now for incoming people from the draft, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers who is going to take that offense by storm, get these rookies the ball, and still have a great season. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, I look at it, they could win it, but they're not going to do anything in the playoffs because they physically can't do anything in the playoffs. They couldn't, you know, with Devontae Adams. Yeah, so, so. it's like, what's the... It's like, yeah, they're going to win, but then right. they're not going to do much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Wagner is now a Los Angeles Ram, signed a five-year, $50 million deal. He stays in the NFC West where he'll be familiar with Arizona, San Francisco, and obviously Seattle. He's going to join forces with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And the Rams, they seem to be looking to repeat. It looks like they're going all in here. Uh, thoughts on Bobby Wagner going to the Rams? That's a that's that's such a good move. It it's is. It's a phenomenal move. I mean, I don't know why Bobby Wagner was still in free agency for so long with his reputation. I mean, the Rams' defense is... Age, maybe? I mean, that could be one possibility, but, like, that shouldn't be the only factor. Right, yeah. And the Rams' defense is looking... Terrifying. I thought that mm-hmm. it was oh like oh like they've got Von Miller last year. I was like ooh, that's rough. And now they got. I mean yeah they lost Von Miller, but they just got Bobby Wagner. And right. Like, that's. I don't know what they're doing over there, but can they're doing all the right yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Can can you like share your secrets with the rest <laughs> of the league, i.e. the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because please. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos. I know the Broncos don't really need it. 
You got. I, I wanted. I wanted Bobby Wagner. So. I wanted Bobby Wagner. I think everyone wanted Bobby right, Wagner, yeah. but it was just the will your team make that move? Yeah, and yeah, the Rams did it. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, I hate the deal because it was a good deal. You know, good teams get better. <laughs> Bobby Wagner to the Rams. Um, you know, get rid of Von Miller. Bobby Wagner comes in. Um, they're still going to be star studded on the team, and unfortunately for the rest of the league and the NFC, it's not a good look. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, let's get through these next two so we can get to our mock drafts. Xavier Howard uh, signed an extension with the Miami Dolphins. Five-year, $50.6 million. Gives him the most guaranteed money for any corner in the history of the NFL. Has 27 interceptions in his six years. Thoughts? Very, very odd because he won it out of Miami not mm-hmm. too long ago. But good for him for getting that money. And I guess the Dolphins are willing to spend all the money for their players to make everybody the highest paid player at their position. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad move, but I think the reason that he took it was because it's guaranteed, which the Browns definitely sparked something that now all these players are going to want all their money guaranteed. Right. Like the Sean Watson signing. Because now it's going to be like, a, oh, hey, I can get all this money guaranteed. I think it's the only reason why Xavier Howard mm-hmm. agreed to stay. It's the only reason why Deshaun went to the Browns is because they guaranteed his entire contract. Mm-hmm. So, And then last but not least, Devontae Parker from the Miami Dolphins, is now a New England Patriot. He was traded along with a 2022 fifth-rounder for only a third-rounder in 2023. I think that Miami looked at their receiving core. They added Tyreek Hill. They had Jalen Waddell. They had Mike Kosicki at tight end. I'm not saying that they they necessarily, you know, they don't need Devontae Parker. They didn't need him. But I think they looked at their receiving core and said, we can afford to give him up. But I don't know if I would give him up for that little. Yeah, that's just that's just Belichick's magic. Honestly, they they work out some strange deals where I don't know how they get the players to get for the low return, but mm-hmm. they do. So I guess good for the Patriots. They got the receiver they so desperately needed because mm-hmm. I mean now you fit him in with Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. It's not a bad look, right? So I was actually really surprised by this deal. Um, for two reasons. One, I think that Devontae Parker still would have fit well in Miami. And two, they traded him to a team in the division right. in New England. Um, and honestly, like we're seeing this trend, and really it's Andrew Barry who deserves a lot of credit because Andrew Barry traded for Amari Cooper for a fifth-round pick and Devontae Parker getting traded for a third-round pick. I mean, you could say that the Browns even won that because I think Amari Cooper, definitely a better wide receiver than Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Now, let's go ahead and get into our mock drafts. We'll be going through the first 10 picks. Uh, We're not doing trades. I don't believe you guys did trades, right? I did one trade. You did trade? Okay. I did no trades. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, Who wants to go first with the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars? I have them taking Aiden Hutchinson. Okay. Number one overall because the Jaguars need a defensive edge threat. Mm -hmm. They don't really have that. Um, I guess they do have Josh Allen, but they need the better Josh Allen. (laughs) I don't know about that. Well, one. hey, according to that one game, you know. That one they, game, they Josh win. Allen did own Josh Allen. Exactly. Head to head, Josh Allen is better than Josh Allen. Correct. Exactly. Yes. Um, but they they need another edge threat to complement okay. uh, Josh Allen. So I think taking Aiden Hutchinson is the right move. I think Aiden Hutchinson, I don't think he's the best defender in this draft, but I think he's the safest pick to have a sustained career and have a successful career. So I agree with all of your points, but I disagree with the player. I'm actually going to go with Trayvon Walker. Um, you know, NFL draft analyst Tony Pauline reported that there could be a surprise with the number one pick. 
Um, as you said, the Jags need help along the defensive line with Josh Allen. And, you know, Aiden Hutchinson might be the safe pick, but I think they're going to be risky. You know, the Jaguars, they're one of those teams that are all over the place. Um, I have them taking Trayvon Walker with the number one pick. So let me preface this by saying that even though this pains me to say this, Aiden Hutchinson is the best player in this draft. I don't like where he went to school, but he's a phenomenal player. But I do have the Jags taking Evan Neal out of Alabama at number one. That okay. is the pick that they should take. Yeah, right. Yeah, They should take Evan Neal, but I think they're going to go defense. Mm-hmm. It, it could go either way. They could prioritize actual talent over necessity here. Uh, you drafted Trevor Lawrence last year. I think that they need to address their offensive line even more than they have been so far. They brought in Brandon Sheriff as well. I think that you draft your quarterback one year, then you draft a guy to keep him protected the next year. Uh, number two, Detroit Lions. See, I actually have Trayvon Walker going second to Detroit. Okay. I think that's where he's going to end up because, let's be honest, the Lions are kind of in shambles. They need all the help they can get on defense. Mm-hmm. And I think the Jags will take Aiden Hutchinson. They want to get that big name coming in for their team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Trayvon Walker will be a good fit in Detroit. He'll be able to hopefully spark something there because he's so dominant. Mm-hmm. I think that that'll be a great pick for the Lions, and I think ultimately that Trayvon Walker is going to end up in Detroit. Yeah, Pat, we just have two different picks here for the Lions. I have Aiden Hutchinson. Just flip-flop those. Um, we mentioned it. Hutchinson's a great player, and I think he would drastically improve the Lions' defense. Mm-hmm. I have Aiden Hutchinson going to the Lions at number two as well. I do think, like I said, he's the best player in the draft, but I think the Jags prioritize um, necessity over um, actual talent. And he's also from that great... No, I won't even try to say it sarcastically. He's from that awful state above us, so he'll be familiar with the surroundings. Um, third, Houston Texans. I have the Texans taking Sauce Gardner. Okay. Three. Because okay. So going into the draft at first, I thought that Sauce would fall because he played for Cincinnati. But during the combine, he, he did so well. Mm-hmm. So his draft stock shot up through the roof. Again, the Texans... They have some offensive weapons, some good players, but, they, again, they need help on the defense. They need a young corner to help that uh, secondary, and I think Sauce Gardner is the way to go for them. So, Jeff, you had Evan Neal going at number one. I have him going at number three to the Houston Texans. Out of Alabama, pairing him with Laramie Tunsil could be all the protection that Davis Mills needs to become the next The Tom next Brady. GOAT. Love Davis Mills. Davis Mills is a friend of the show. Um, I have the Texans taking Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Uh, Their current starting safety duo had a combined one interception last year and a combined six in their careers. Hamilton had eight in his three-year college career. And Houston has a lot of needs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I do think he is uh, the best player remaining in the draft at three. And also, one of their starting safeties, Terrence Brooks, will be an unrestricted free agent next season. So I think they go Hamilton. Number four, the New York Jets. So I have the Jets taking uh, Kayvon Thibodeau okay. at four. Again, same situation that the Jets, they have potential on offense, but defensively they struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, it'd be a safe pick for them, uh, especially since they do have the 10th pick at some point, so they could get like another offensive weapon, but they need to look defensively. And I think that Kayvon Thibodeau would give them a good presence off the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also have Kayvon going at number four. He's big. He's explosive. Uh, we know the Jets were in the mix for Chandler Jones, so I expect them to explore the same position in the draft. 
I have the Jets taking Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. His draft stock just rose exponentially from the combine. Uh, I thought that Jordan Davis would be the first Bulldog taken, but here we see Trayvon Walker shooting up into the, the top 10 in most people's mock drafts. The Jets finished 26th in sacks last year, so I think that they bring in Trayvon Walker to get that number up. Fifth pick, the other New York team, the New York Giants. I have them taking Evan Neal. Okay. Um, the reason I have them taking that is if they want to keep uh, Saquon Barkley healthy, they need to get a line that they need to get a good line. And simply speaking, they don't. Um, so I think that taking Evan Neal there is a phenomenal pick for them. I think it'll help boost their offensive line, and hopefully it'll keep Saquon healthy in the future um, should they take him. I don't even have the Giants picking at number five. Ooh, um, okay. I do have a trade happening right here. And it's because I love the Giants drafting Evan Neal, but I think Evan Neal will be off the board before the Giants get to pick, and I think the Giants will trade with the Seahawks. That way, the Seahawks jump right in front of the Panthers, another team that is in need of a quarterback. And I do have the Seahawks drafting Malik Willis. Um, I think he has the highest ceiling among QBs in this class. Um, I know this isn't the best QB class, um, but I I do like Willis. And I think he can hold out a year behind Jeff's favorite QB, Drew Locke. Future of the NFL, baby. (laughs) I kid. I kid. Um, for me, I got the Giants taking Ikem Aquanu. Okay, hold on. Let me try to say this again. Ikem Aquanu. There you go. Offensive tackle out of NC State. I think he's the best available. I think they continue to build that offensive line against somebody opposite of Andrew Thomas. Sixth pick, Carolina Panthers. So I actually have two possible for this, and I do have the Panthers taking a quarterback. Okay. Now, whether that'll be Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis will be up in the air, but I do have them taking one of the two because, listen, I love Sam Darnold to death. But he's just not good. I thought the Jets were. I, listen, I thought the Jets were holding him back, and I was like, "Oh, he's on a better team." Is he gonna? The start of the year, he looked good, and then he went back to being Sam Darnold because he remembered, "Oh, hey, I'm Sam Darnold." So I do have the Panthers taking uh, either Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett at six. You love him to death, but he's terrible. Yeah, love to see it. Kind of, kind of uh, like Mitch Trubisky. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. so the nice, the nice. The the Panthers. I have them taking Kenny Pickett. Uh, GM Scott Fitter admitted that they're looking at drafting a QB, and uh, Pickett would be the best available. After I have Willis being drafted ahead of them at number five. For me, I have the Panthers taking Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. I think he's the best player available. I think he can add to a pass rush that already has Brian Burns. Like you guys said, I think that they could take a quarterback. But I don't see a quarterback going in the top ten here. But it could happen. We'll see. Seventh pick, back to the New York Giants. I have the Giants taking Kyle Hamilton Okay. at number seven. I think that, again, defense, they're struggling heavily with defense, especially since they no longer have Jabril Peppers. Um, they need to get They need to get some help on the defense, and I think Kyle Hamilton's the best guy to do that. So since I had the Giants moving back, you guys had them taking an offensive lineman at number five. I have them doing that at number seven for the Seahawks pick. Charles Cross, they need protection for Daniel Jones, and Cross might be the best available offensive lineman after Evan Neal. Mm-hmm. I have their second first-round pick. I got the Giants taking Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Uh, the Giants ranked 23rd overall in defense last year, and James Bradbury may be moving on from the Giants, so I think Gardner could replace him. Eighth pick, Atlanta Falcons. So I have the Falcons taking uh, Trevor Penning. Okay. Because they're going to need some offensive help. Um, 
especially, you know, they got Cordell Patterson back for another year. Yeah, they've lost some weapons, but that can be made up later in the draft. Um, what they need to focus on is building a better line because, as you know, they no longer have Matt Ryan. And they have the guy that I wanted as our starting quarterback in Pittsburgh now, Marcus Mariota. But you got to build a line before you can do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the Falcons taking Drake London here. Um, I'm very upset with you, but go on. <laughs> a much-needed weapon for a newly acquired QB in Marcus Mariota. Um, I have them taking Drake London, but I could really just see it being any of the wide receivers. Um, I just think they're going to lean London here. Mm-hmm. So I have the Falcons taking a receiver, not yours, okay? Because That's all right. because I'm not Ohio State has the two best receivers in this draft. Do not yeah. at me. The Falcons are taking Garrett Wilson out of the Ohio State University. Calvin Ridley is suspended for next season. Russell Gage is now with Tampa Bay. They need a wide receiver. And Garrett Wilson's draft stock has just skyrocketed as of late. Falcons take Garrett Wilson. Number nine, Seattle Seahawks. So I actually have the Seahawks not taking a quarterback. Because I think that the Seahawks will eventually trade for Baker Mayfield at some point. That's just my opinion. I have the Seahawks taking Drake London. (sighs) You guys are killing me. It would be interesting. (laughs) I think the reason that they should do that is in the case... Coming up, I think uh, Tyler Lockett, I think his uh, contract's getting ready to expire, I believe. Um, and he may or may not re-sign. So I think taking a receiver like Drake London will help secure a little bit of a future with that receiving core, especially if they want to try to keep DK Metcalf. You need mm-hmm. to have another receiver alongside him. And if Tyler Lockett leaves, you're just going to be stuck with DK Metcalf. I think if they take uh, Drake London, that'll help them out a little bit. So I do have the Seahawks taking a QB, but I had them taking one at number five. So at number nine, I actually have the New York Giants making yet another pick. And this is where I have Kyle Hamilton coming off the board. Jeff, you mentioned him earlier out of Notre Dame. He had a slow 40-yard dash in the combine, but you could still make the entire secondary for the Giants much better. Mm -hmm. I have the Seahawks taking Devin Lloyd out of Utah. They lost Bobby Wagner. They need to improve in a lot of areas. Um, they could take a QB, but I think that they will wait till next year or, like you said, Pat, acquire Baker Mayfield or somebody else. I just think they take Devin Lloyd to fill that Bobby Wagner void. And last but not least, number 10, the New York Jets. So with the 10th pick, I have the New York Jets taking Garrett Wilson. Okay. I have them, I have them doing that because they need some. They need help everywhere, obviously, because it's the Jets, but I think adding in a good receiver like Garrett Wilson is perfect for them. Okay. With the 10th pick, I have the Jets taking a wide receiver out of the university, or the Ohio State University. I messed <laughs> I was it up. About to say. The University <laughs> of, the, you were saying? <laughs> I know, I know. The Ohio State University, Garrett Wilson. Um, I agree. Much needed weapon for a young QB that has shown potential mm-hmm. in some cases with Zach Wilson. Uh, Garrett Wilson, I do think he's the best wide receiver in the class. Um, I just think Drake London will be taking a couple picks before him. Mm. For me, I got the Jets taking Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. The Jets gave up over three sacks a game last year, and they need to protect their first-round pick, Zach Wilson, from last year. And that is going to wrap up this episode of Sports Power Talk. We touched on a lot. We just went over NFL free agency and gave our mock drafts. Very excited to see what happens with my team, the Denver Broncos, as I'm sure you guys are excited to see what happens with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, respectively. We touched on the MLB and spring training, touched on the Cavs and the NBA playoffs a little bit, and we touched on March Madness. Once again, shout out Coach K for an incredible career. Final thoughts from you guys from today. 
Thank you, Ali Ali, for everything you've done for the University of Akron. I wish you the best of luck in uh, wherever you go in your future. Hopefully one day we'll be able to see you in the NBA. Uh, you're a phenomenal player. Again, thank you for everything. And that's all I got to say. Jarvis Landry, come home. <laughs> go Browns. Mitch Trubisky is garbage. Okay. I agree. Uh, no, I agree. And Mitch. go Guardians. It's going to be crazy. Next week on this show, I will be giving out a record that the Guardians have in the regular season. So I'm very excited for that. Um, go Guardians against the Royals this week. I will not stand for the Money Mitch slander. I do just want to say that. It's necessary. It's not. Ah, for me, um, once again, shout out Coach K. Um, tough loss last night, but you left behind a legacy that will probably never be touched by any other coach in the history of college basketball. Um, I guess go Kansas. I'm still a bit kind of shaky on my decision for the national championship game, but I guess for right now, go Jayhawks, uh, go Cavs today against the 76ers and hopefully we can find a way to make it into the playoffs and not mess up and slip out uh go astros america's team winning the world series and um let's go broncos next year upcoming nfl season that is going to do it for us today on sports power talk i'm ben jeff longville joining me was patrick weber and and jake murin and we'll see you guys same time same place next week peace out